The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Our guest this week is a music business marketing and promotion specialist. He works as the Director of Customer Engagement at Holix and is the host of the Inside Music Podcast. He is also a music journalist whose bylines include Rolling Stone and Substream Magazine, and you can find out more about our guest by following him on Twitter at James D. Shotwell or by visiting Holix.com. Let us welcome back our friend James Shotwell. Well, to the Break the Business podcast. Hello, sir. Hello. So good to hear from you. We last had you on about a year and a half ago, and you talked to us about music piracy, and it was a great conversation. It was an area that I wanted to learn more about, and I'm glad you shared your insight. But now you're joining us again because you wrote a terrific article in HypeBot recently about things that artists Mm -hmm. must do before the end of 2019. We're getting to the end of the year, and I know many of our listeners are eager to finish up remaining projects before we hit 2020. And I think you told me once in the past that the end of the year can be a great time for artists to get things done because the industry tends to slow down around this time of year until about mid-January for most artists, right? Yeah, from about the third week in December until the first or second week in January, we usually call it like the industry slowdown around HQ. No, I uh, I can appreciate that. I think... Uh, in my legal practice, uh, when I work with entertainment clients, it's not the case because I, I work on a big New Year's Eve show at the end of the year for an artist, and so that just like completely ruins my holidays. But I think if not for that, like that would be a really relaxing time, as I imagine it is for most artists. So um, it does sound like a great time to sort of take inventory of everything and and uh, get ready for the new year. And you know, one of the things I really enjoyed about the article, James is the beginning of it. And before you even start giving artists advice about making plans for the new year, you tell artists to use this slowdown time to take a breath and take a look inward. You advise artists to ask themselves, quote, is the work you're doing, including everything that's happened over the last year, making you smile? Is the path you're on mm-hmm. in line with your dreams? If the answer is yes, great. Keep on keeping on. If the answer is no, then consider this moment the perfect time to make a change. So in your experience, James, have you come to find that artists tend to have a tendency to sort of have blinders on with their career and they'll try, sometimes they'll move forward without asking if the path they're on is the one they actually want to be on? Absolutely. I think in my experience anyways, that what happens, especially these days in the digital age, we have so much of a demand for our attention all the time. If you're not writing music or touring or, you know, doing something for your band and you're creating content for social media, you know, you're updating your Twitter, your Instagram, your Snapchat, whatever it is, you're always having to be making stuff. And kind of the thing that happens when we make a lot of stuff all the time is that we get these blinders on that make us think that all we have is to do the thing that's immediately in front of us. And we just keep doing it. And so rarely do we look up to say, you know, what have I been doing? And do I even like what I'm doing anymore? Because it's really easy to fall into the habit of just, you know, producing stuff because you feel like you have to produce stuff. And I think something that I've had to learn myself on the professional side of things, and a lot of professionals do as well as artists, is you, know, you don't always have to be making stuff. That's like that's kind of a lie that we perpetuate through the idea of like engagement and content. But at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then what's the point? 
Wow, that's a. It, I almost feel like I'm, I'm guilty of that to some extent because I think on this podcast I always tell artists like you know you, you got to create, create, create to cut through the clutter. Creativity is a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it. But I think you're absolutely right. There is something to be said for knowing when to slow down and knowing to take time in your career to pause everything, look at what you're doing and make sure that you're not just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff, but what you're doing is stuff that you believe in and that you're actually on the path that you want to be on. But to me, that's a real act of courage on the uh, part of artists. It's hard to say that, you know, to, to actually convince yourself that what you're doing needs to be fixed because it makes you feel like there's a, a sunk cost component. Like, uh, oh my God, everything I've been doing is, is is for nothing and and now I have to change. Like that that takes an act of courage. And it sounds like you have some experience with this in your own career. So when you've had to make pivots in your life, what gave you the courage to be able to say, I understand that what I'm doing, you know, is what I'm doing now, but it doesn't have to be what I'm doing forever and I'm going to make a pivot. Well, I guess the the simple answer it's kind of two part. One is at the end of the day, I have to be I have to be my toughest critic. And a lot of people say you always are your toughest, but you're the only person that really has to be satisfied with what you're doing. And and the reason that I always tell people that is because fans of music or anyone that's interacting with the thing you're creating, whether you're a professional or you're an artist in the music business, everyone that's interacting with it, we have this intangible sixth sense as humans where we can, you know, we know authenticity. So like when you listen to an album from your favorite artist, there's something that, about it that feels authentic. They're being their undeniable true selves. And what happens a lot of the time is you hear that artist's next album or even their next single, and it doesn't really hit you the same way that it used to. And you know, there's always like maybe the songwriting isn't good, but at, at the core of it usually is that you're hearing something that the artist themselves isn't as authentic in. And not to say that they aren't trying to be that, but that's that's kind of the trick to authenticity, right? You can't you can't force an authentic self. You have to just has to come about naturally. So right now I, I'm working with this artist. Um, I'm working with an artist right now that has been gone for a few years and they're just coming back off hiatus. And their latest material I think is as good as the stuff that they started releasing. And we were talking about like why that is, why the stuff that they released at the end of their career before the hiatus is not up to par with the new stuff. Is it the break? And I said, it's not so much the break, but the reason the group is coming back isn't because they're trying to, you know, get to the next tour or get to the next thing. They came back because they just wanted to make music again. And when you're making music from that perspective of like, this is what I want to do. At the end of the day, I don't care about selling records. I don't care about playing sold out shows. I care about making songs that I want to sing that I, that help me, you know, get through whatever the thing is I'm trying to process in my songwriting. If, you, if you're happy with that, if you're doing that, you're being your authentic self, that comes across to the listener. And that's how you really build an audience, especially one that's going to stay engaged with you. All the best artists that have the biggest careers are people who are writing songs that you just know when you hear them, they're coming from a real place. Even if they're writing about somebody else or some other experience that maybe never happened, there's something in it, this intangible factor that just, you know that it's important to them what they're singing about. And you can, you can tell and so through some weird way, when somebody is writing a, was forced to write a song or when a band maybe got two weeks in the studio and they decided to do a full-length album in two weeks rather than taking you know, the right amount of time to do it, or they entered the studio with five songs written and they ended up recording ten. You know, there's, there's this thing, you can sense the urgency, you can sense the you know, doing the work versus it being natural. And at the end of the day, I think the key to success in music, no matter if you're a professional or if you're an artist, is that naturalism. You're just letting it kind of flow through you. And part of the reason I tell people to reflect at the end of the year is 
you can't just keep squeezing your brain to create stuff all the time. You have to let it release a little bit so you know what it is you're trying to say, what it is you want to say. And you don't get trapped into a cycle of being like, well, I write sad songs, so I have to always write sad songs or people won't care anymore. People don't care if your song is sad or angry or happy. What they care about is that it has that intangible authenticity factor to it. And that's what we're always trying to chase in our work. Yeah, so it sounds like a core component of this sort of year-end take a breath and, and take a look at where your career is, is to help you find that authenticity. And I'll tell you, uh, Across generations, I think the one constant we always see in music listeners is they have really well-honed authenticity detectors. I mean, the people listening to your music, they, they, they can detect very quickly if, if they feel like what they're getting isn't that true honesty from that artist and they're not really you know, getting that real artist. And I think in the age of social media, it's, it's easier than ever for artists to project authenticity because they're getting a direct line to music fans and man, and uh, musician and music listeners, they crave that. So I, I definitely appreciate where you're coming from in terms of taking a pause in your career to find your authenticity. Uh, your article, James also talks about the importance of artists ending their 2019 by making a reasonable plan for what they want to accomplish in 2020. Uh, makes perfect sense to me. Uh, do you have any advice for the artists on what that sort of planning should look like? Is there sort of a specific procedure that you prescribe or is it going to vary from artist to artist? Well, it, it, obviously I think it varies based on, you know, where you're at in your career. But my, my advice to people usually is to be reasonable. I think so much of music, especially when we think about uh, our careers and is always kind of based off comparison to somebody else. So like on my end, there are people who make way more money and get way more exposure than I do doing the kind of thing that I do. And I always kind of compare where I'm at to where they are. And I think about getting to where they are in terms of like these big leaps. You know, I, if I, if I follow a music influencer who has like 10,000 followers on Instagram, I don't think about the next hundred followers. I think about the next 5,000 followers that I need to catch up to that person. Um, and I think the same thing applies to a lot of artists. You know, they, they look at, you know, a band that they want to tour with or a band that they want to be like in terms of success. And they don't look at all the, all the steps in between there. They look at the big, they look at things that they have to do in leaps and bounds. So when I talk about making a reasonable list for next year, you should always expect or at least hope to do more than whatever you set out to accomplish. But at the end of the day, I think it's smart and it's good for the soul and for that sense of like that personal sense of happiness to keep things kind of in check. So one of the examples I think I use in that is if you're if you have two songs right now, maybe your goal for 2020 shouldn't be to put out a full length album, but maybe it should be to put out an EP or even to put out a couple of singles. You know, um, another artist that I'm working with right now is choosing to forgo releasing albums altogether and is just trying to release two songs every quarter, basically. So eight songs next year, two at a time. That way they don't feel rushed to put out a whole record or to force anything to come out. They're just trying to take their time and write, make the best thing that they can possibly make. And I think that that's a smart idea because you know, as much as people want to consume, 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 I think something that we're learning from the world of video streaming right now is that the idea of binging a bunch of content isn't exactly the best for retention. If I can use a quick example, you know, we look at how Netflix releases a new series. So like Netflix is known for Stranger Things. And so when the new season of Stranger Things comes out, we get, you know, 10 episodes all at once. And we all kind of binge it at our own speed. A lot of people do it in the first day, some people over the first week, and some people are still working on it right now. And then you look at what Disney Plus is doing with something like The Mandalorian or what HBO is doing with the Watchmen series. And those episodes come out every single week, and it makes people take time to digest the thing that you've created. You're not just trying to get through it 
to be at the end of it because what's what's the point of that you know when you when you make people kind of wait for stuff and you just give them the best possible thing you can on a regular schedule they take the time to not only appreciate what you're doing but to really think about the art that you're creating so one of the reasonable goals i always have for people is to not worry about putting out as much material as possible but putting out the best material and if that means you only release one song next year then i know that that one song you release is going to be the best song that you could write all year long. And if you get to the point where you write, you know, 10 songs, that's amazing. But start with just trying to release one or two really good songs that are going to make people talk and make people understand who you are as an artist. And the same thing applies with touring. You know, everyone wants to tour, especially in these days, because you make you can make real money on the road. But don't worry about booking a three-month summer tour if in 2019 your band played five shows. Maybe you just looking, you know, a couple of weekenders or doing a full week of touring. If you get to that summer run, that'd be amazing. But right now, Focus on taking things one step further than wherever you are right this moment, or maybe two steps. Don't look 10 steps down the field until you get a little bit closer to it. Right now, just focus on what is the next logical progression for your career. Because if you try to jump a bunch of steps, it's not going to be as beneficial for you, and it's not going to have kind of a long-term return that you want. Because you can book a summer tour, but if nobody cares about the music you're releasing and nobody came to your last tour, then you're still going to play to empty rooms every night. It's not going to make a difference. you gotta, you got to build up to those big things. Yeah, and I can appreciate sort of the subtext of what I'm hearing from that, which is, you know, these the goals that you set don't have to be the conventional goals of 20 years ago. Like among the many reasons that you mentioned for your goal not necessarily having to be to put out an album is that it might be too ambitious, but another goal is it just might not fit with the the approach you should be taking as an, an artist in your own sense in 2019 where, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're early in your career, like rather than, you know, put out a chunk of 12 tracks you know much how netflix puts out stranger things where you get a little bit of buzz for like a month and then it goes away if you spread releases out throughout the year you can get that you know you can kind of extend that buzz out for an extended period much how the disney plus platform is doing with the mandalorian that's a great example and and i'm actually in the middle of that series right now so it's definitely on the brain right now i'm a huge baby yoda fan yeah if you, I mean, if you're on social media, even if you don't watch The Mandalorian, we have been looking at Baby Yoda pictures <laughs> for like f- for five weeks now. The fifth episode came out now, so like for over a month now, every week we've been looking at Baby Yoda basically. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare that to Stranger Things, there's that there are a few memeable moments from that series that you still see, but it's it's already rare. And that came out in July, and it feels like it was a long time ago. But Baby Yoda, like. People who don't watch the series know what that is because it's become such a part of culture. And I'm not saying that everyone can reach that level, but you do have this ability to um, kind of seep into the culture more if there's a higher demand for what you're doing. And as fans, you know, people want to create, people that really love your music are going to want to create content that goes in tangent with it. So, you know, uh, if you have fans that are artists, they're going to make art inspired by your songs or they're going to get tattoos inspired by your songs. And if you kind of focus your efforts on just a couple of tracks at a time, then your fans will help promote those tracks in a way that they can't really do the same for an album. Because if you put out 10 tracks, people are only going to focus on one or two that they really love anyways. So why not just give them those two songs, wait a little while, put out the other one. If you if you have the ability to record 10 songs at once, that's great. But like you said, it's not the old model anymore. You don't have to release those 10 songs at once. Just, just take your time and put them out whenever makes sense for you. This article is really great that he put out, listeners. Uh, I'm going to put a link to the Hypebot article in the show description so you can check it out. 
I think it's a must read for any indie artist at the end of the year to make sure you get the things done that you need to get done to set yourself up for a kick-ass 2020. James, always a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I learned so much and you always change my perspective on things when we talk. Uh, let me ask you this last question before we let you go this week. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Um, okay, a couple of quick things. One, uh, if you if you hate reading, which I know some people do in, in this day and age, there is the podcast, Inside Music, we talk about with musicians about these kind of topics every week. But I would much more rather you follow us on YouTube. If you look at the article that the, we're talking about today, there's also a video. I'm in the video. We have a YouTube channel. It's called Music Biz, Music B-I-Z. Every week we put out tutorial videos about things like this. And right now, next week is going to be uh, tips for how to survive the slowdown that's coming up. Um, those things. Something that I would like to see more artists doing and that, I, that I've been thinking about a lot in the last 24 hours. And I think if we had done this conversation next week, it'd probably be what we were talking about. But I, I love the obsession with Spotify Wrapped that's coming out right now and uh, yes. to a lesser extent, Apple Music's Replay. These are really cool features that give people a lot of really fun data. But what drives me crazy about it and what I'd like to see more artists demand is that Spotify Wrapped for artists is fun data, but not actionable data. And something that I think we need to be demanding as an industry as a whole, especially when we're working with these giant corporations that we know are harvesting our data and using them to build algorithms, is that they give us more transparency in the information they give us. So as an example, if you're an artist and you have a Spotify account, if you look at your Spotify rack for 2019, it will tell you how many people have you as their most listened to artists of the year. So one of the artists I work with, I was looking at it this morning, they have 84 people that listen to their band more than anyone else on Spotify all year long. That's amazing. However, I have no additional information. Who are these 84 people? Where do they live? How can we route a tour through there? How can we get in contact with them? How do we know what to do with that information? And something similar happens when Spotify tells us, you know, you had uh, 57 hundred hours of people listening to your music this year. Well, that's really cool, but what songs were they listening to the most? Um, where did all those plays come from and how much was that worth? You know, what, what is the value of 5,700 hours? Spotify and these other big corporations that we're relying on for the independent music business right now are doing this really interesting thing where they're giving us fun data, but not necessarily meaningful data. And I think that in the new year, we really need to start demanding as a whole that we have a little bit more transparency because these companies know the answers. Your Spotify profile, uh, especially your Spotify for Artists profile, will tell you all the cities that you're the most popular in, but it doesn't really give you any additional information like ages and things along those lines, which could be very helpful to musicians. And I also, um, real quick, while I, while I have the moment, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of email newsletters. I, one of the artists I'm working with right now has more email newsletter subscribers than they have any social on followers on any social media account. And it becomes incredibly good for converting people to buying things and coming to shows and being a part of the community. So build your email newsletter. And if you want to follow mine, it's jameshotwell.substack.com. You can go there and I'm going to start writing more essays and things like that. But I feel like I've taken up a lot of your time, so I will, I will stop while I'm ahead. Oh, you made the very most of our time, James. Thank you for that <laughs> tremendous insight. Uh, follow him on Twitter at James D. Shotwell. Visit holics.com and we'll take a bunch of those other links that James mentioned. We'll put those in the show description so you can just get all the James Shotwell you could ever need in the world. Thank you so much for being on the show this week, sir. Thank you. I hope to be back in 2020. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Break the Business podcast. 